0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. It's rebuilding time, and we're taking our cue from the story of a guy named Nehemiah. He left his home in Susa, and he traveled 1,200 kilometers to the city of Jerusalem. When he got there, he assembled a team, and they set about rebuilding a wall and reviving a nation. But one of the things that we've learned as we looked at the story of Nehemiah is that rebuilding is complicated. Like, like first of all, you need to decide if you even wanna rebuild, if you wanna lend a helping hand, and that's not a given. I remember back in the middle of March, here where I'm from, the province of BC in the nation of Canada, quarantines were being announced. And we decided right up front at that time that we wanted to get a hold of some hand sanitizer as a church. There was a couple of main reasons for that. Number one, we knew right from the beginning that we wanted to plant a new church called Southside Church online. That would have uh, different methods than the old Southside, but the same mission, that we're going to bring more help, more hope, and more home. Well, in order to have church online, we needed a crew to film, and we wanted to keep that crew as safe as possible. And one of the ways we wanted to do that is with hand sanitizer. Okay, And the second reason we wanted to get a hold of hand sanitizer was because we knew that there was vulnerable people in our city that were really feeling not safe to go outside, but they wanted to get a hold of hand sanitizer. So we were going to bring them some. But here's the problem. If you remember back to the middle of March, hand sanitizer was really tough to get a hold of, like as tough as toilet paper back then. Okay, So we heard of this guy that was actually making his own hand sanitizer that was kind of in our region. And this stuff was tested, safe, and effective. We heard that he was a Christian guy. So we thought, well, he won't mind if we give him a call. And so we gave him a call and we told him why we needed hand sanitizer. And he said, I have a lot of hand sanitizer. And I'm not going to sell you any. Because I disagree with what you're doing. He said, now is not the time to advance. Now is the time to retreat. Now is not the time to engage. Now is the time to withdraw. In fact, he said, I got to go. I'm loading my family up into the car and we're driving up to some property I have way up in a mountain, far away from anybody else. I'm going to look after me and mine and I suggest that you do the same. So that's one option, right? Look out for me and mine. Let the world figure out the world. But maybe you come to a point in your life when you realize, well, we are the world and it's a privilege to lend a helping hand. And so I want to help rebuild. Well, even then rebuilding is complicated because man, one of the things that I've learned over these last five months is that rebuilding people need to be rebuilt. Do you know what I mean by that? Like, I guess another way to say that is that like hope rises in our world from the inside out. Because as I look in my life over these last five months, there's something that I realized, man, like this whole rebuilding thing, man, it it requires strength that I don't have naturally. I need God to give me strength that it requires focus that I don't have naturally. I need God to give me focus. It requires ingenuity and innovation and courage that I don't have naturally. I need God to give me all of that. Rebuilding people need to be rebuilt, but we stick with it. We keep moving forward little by little. And that's exactly what Nehemiah and his team did. And so today we're on Nehemiah chapter eight. The wall has been built. The gates have been hung and it's a time to celebrate. Okay, so all the people gather in Jerusalem and then the priests get up and they read from what Nehemiah refers to as the book of the law. We would call that today the first five books of our Bible, all written by Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So the priests get up and they read from the books of Moses. So then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest and teacher of the law, And the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, this day is holy to the Lord, your God. Don't mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed all the people saying, be still for this is a holy day. Do not grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. It's so cool when you think about it. Like 2,500 years ago in Jerusalem, God's people gathered together and they studied God's word. And here we are today, August the 16th, 2020, and we're God's people and we're gathering together in a virtual way, in in, in a way that the people in Nehemiah's day could never have imagined. And what are we doing? We're studying God's word. And it doesn't matter where you find yourself all throughout history, I think that when you study God's word, you see three things. Three things become revealed to you as you study God's word. You see these things. Number one, this is God. Number two, this is me. And number three, This is us. So first of all, this is God. When you study God's word, you see God more clearly. It's really important, you know, because you and me, we were born to worship. What I mean by that is that you and I were made in such a way that something is going to be our guiding star. Something is going to be our main motivation. Something is going to be our driving force something is going to be the why behind all of our what's. We're going to turn to something or someone for our sense of purpose and fulfillment and hope. And that's what we worship. And really, we only have two choices. We, we, we can worship a lowercase g, God, or we can worship an uppercase g, God. See, there's plenty of lowercase g gods to choose from in our world, right? money pleasure, safety, comfort, success. those are all good things, every one of them. But man, one of the things that we've noticed about all of those things over the last five months is that they're really, really tenuous, aren't they? Tenuous. Like just like this world feels very tenuous, all the things of this world feel very tenuous too. Jesus put it this way. He says, man, if you build your house, if you build your life on those things, it's like someone who builds their house on sand. When the storms rise, you will be shaken. And so throughout history, billions of people have realized, I don't need a lowercase g, God. I need uppercase g, God. I need someone who stands above this world, whose plan extends beyond this life, God. Jesus Jesus said it this way, that when you put your faith, when you put your trust, when you put your worship in God, it's like building your house on the rock. Even when the storms rise up, you will not be shaken. But who is God? Who is this God that I believe that you and me were born to worship? See, God sent his son, Jesus, into human history as a living, breathing, walking, talking personification of the character and the nature of God. It's amazing too, because in the gospel of John chapter one, it says this, that Jesus came full of grace and full of truth. You notice how it doesn't say, um, he was a good mixture, a little bit of grace, a little bit of truth. No, full of grace and full truth of truth. That's really important. Because if you look back through history or if you look back through your life, there's been times that we, uh, we kind of discount one part of that equation. Like for some people, they believe a God who is all truth and no grace. They, they believe in a God, they would teach others about a God who is like a taskmaster, who runs a tight ship, and doesn't put up with any kind of foolishness. If that God is your father in heaven, that father is like a military father. That you get exactly what you deserve. Anything you get, you earn it. You ask yourself like, why would anyone wanna believe in or teach others about a taskmaster God, a God with all truth and no grace? The reason is really simple. It's because you and me, we're really uncomfortable with this whole notion of grace. I'll give you an illustration from your own life, okay? There was a time in your life that you were on a road trip with a bunch of other people. Maybe it was a sports team. Maybe it was a band trip. Maybe it was a a missions thing. Maybe it was just you and a bunch of friends. And you're on the road and you've been driving for a long time and everybody starts to get hungry. And so you pull over at McDonald's. And everyone's so pumped because they're going to grab themselves something to eat and everyone's hungry. But here's your problem. You don't have money. Like either you didn't bring money with you or you just don't have money, like period, okay? So you're standing there when everybody else is grabbing uh, their food and someone walks up to you at some point and they say, hey man, what are you going to get? And you say, no, no, I'm good, I'm good. So you lie, you're not good, you're hungry. Right? And then they say, hey, like, let me buy you a burger. What do you want? and you say, oh, I'm just, I'm not hungry at all. I'm really not hungry. Well, would you say that you liar? It's because you're uncomfortable with the notion of grace. Because if we accept grace, we must admit that we are in need of help. that takes a lot of humility. And so that's why people throughout history and even throughout our own lives, sometimes we gravitate towards a God who is full of truth with no grace, our military father in heaven, because then we can walk around and we can say, everything I got, I earned, I earned salvation, I earned righteousness, I earned eternal life, I earned right standing, but it's a real cruel teaching. And the reason it's so cruel is because somewhere deep down inside, we all get it, right? Like we look around the world and we see the tenuous, but we look inside ourselves and we realize we're tenuous. Now I actually really, really need help. And so some people then, they kind of swing the pendulum the other way and they teach about a God who is uh, full of grace with no truth. And the reason for that is real simple. We don't like being told what to do. But a God who is full of grace with no truth would also be cruel. And, and to illustrate that, I would have to take you back to Reg Osborne's grade five birthday sleepover. It was an awesome birthday sleepover. In grade five, it had everything that you would need. It, it, lots of junk food and very little sleep. Okay, so I had a great night. And when we got up the next morning, I was gonna say woke up the next morning, but we didn't wake up. I don't think we slept at all. So when we got up the next morning, Mrs. Osborne made breakfast for us. And what she made for us was Monte Cristo sandwiches? To be completely honest with you, even saying that to you makes me a little bit nauseous. It makes me a little bit sick to my stomach. See, because I don't know exactly what happened. Well, it, it, but it, it had to have been one of three things. Number one, uh, I had the stomach flu that manifested itself about five minutes after I ate that Monte Cristo sandwich. Number two my body after a night of too much junk food and too little sleep decided to push reset right about that time. Or number three, maybe there was something in that Monte Cristo sandwich that really didn't work with my system, but it was bad. Like starting about five minutes after I ate that sandwich, uh, the next 18 hours of my life were like a puka Palooza. Okay. It was really bad to the point that to this day, I have not eaten another Monte Cristo sandwich. And I never will. Like, even if you convinced me, if you said, no, no, Mike, you, you need to try, my, my stomach wouldn't let me. It would not. And it's funny when I think about it, that my stomach is actually smarter than I am sometimes. Because, because spiritually speaking, there's some things in my life that I've turned to. There's some things in your life that you've turned to that's like a Monte Cristo sandwich For your soul. (laughs) And you turn to this thing and you say, Man, I know that this is gonna bring me fulfillment, but instead it leaves you empty. You say, I know that this is gonna bring me joy, but instead it makes you sad. Like, I know that this is gonna satisfy, but instead it makes you hungrier. See, if that was your stomach, your stomach would go, no, I'm, I'm good. I've, I've, I've been there before. No, not a good idea. But something inside of us, spiritually speaking, we, uh, we're not as smart as our stomach because we go back and say, you know what? I'm just gonna try that one more time. You know, maybe I just gotta try a little bit more. One more time, it'll, it'll work. And that's why uh, a God who is full of grace with no truth would be cruel. A God that wouldn't tell you, hey, there's a way that really seems right to you. Uh, it's not gonna end well. It's kind of like hockey, obviously. Um, so I'm an Edmonton Oilers fan, okay? I'm an Edmonton Oilers fan. And it pains me to say this, but just over a week ago, the Edmonton Oilers were eliminated from the playoffs for the 13th time in 14 years. Some of you didn't know that, some of you did. I know that some of you did because some of you sent me uh, voicemails and DMs and emails and text messages with this well thought out and insightful question. What happened to the Oilers? Whoa, what a great question, Mr. Rhetorical. What happened to the Oilers? You know exactly what happened to the Oilers, don't you? They lost, okay? That's what happened, Mr. Rhetorical. Okay, but Mr. Rhetorical, you might find this hard to believe, but there was a time in the late 80s and early 90s when the Edmonton Oilers and the Calgary Flames were the two best teams in the NHL. And they had this like passionate, violent rivalry. Like I remember back in those days, I grew up in Red Deer, Alberta, like literally halfway between Calgary and Edmonton. And if the Oilers and Flames were playing in the playoffs and you went into a restaurant to watch the game, there would be a line in the restaurant and the line would be dividing those who were cheering for the Oilers and those who were cheering for the Flames. And they wouldn't allow you to cross that line because things would get violent. So let's say I tell that to Mr. Rhetorical. Mr. Rhetorical says to me, I don't believe you. It was never like that. Well, I do not have a DeLorean like Marty McFly had in Back to the Future, but I do have a 2007 Accord. So let's imagine that I run 1.21 gigawatts through my 2007 accord. And I don't bring Mr. Rhetorical back to the future. I bring him back to the Red Deer. Okay, so we go back to the Red Deer. We get our mullets all ready to go. We put on our jean jackets so we fit in. And we go back to the Red Deer. And I show you around, Mr. Rhetorical. I show you the passion of the Battle of Alberta. Right, I bring you around Red Deer. Maybe I introduce you to Grant King and Rich Stewart. And it's awesome. And just about the time that we're ready to head back to 2020, to our own time in my 2007 Accord time machine, I say, man, I got one more surprise for you, Mr. Rhetorical. One more surprise. Here it is. Uh, The Oilers and the Flames are playing in the playoffs. It's game seven in Calgary at the Saddledome. I got us tickets, Mr. Rhetorical. And let's say, Mr. Rhetorical, you have a rare moment of kindness and you look at me and you say, you know what, Mike? I can't believe everything you've done for me. Back to the Red Deer. It's been awesome. And after all the trash talking I've done to you over the years, this has been really, really cool. And now we're going to the game. And I just wanna say thank you. And the best way that I can think of saying thank you is I'm gonna cheer for your team in game seven. So I went and I bought myself an Oilers jersey and an Oilers baseball hat, and I even have an Oilers pom-pom that I'm gonna wave for the game. Okay. Here's the thing, Mr. Rhetorical. There's some things that I know that you don't know about the Battle of Alberta. If we go down to Calgary to watch game seven, Oilers Flames, and you're dressed up like that, it's going to be a problem, okay? So like, you're gonna have multiple beverages poured on your head before the end of the night, for sure. And you will not, I guarantee you, you will not leave with the same amount of teeth that you entered the game with, guaranteed. But let's say I decide, Mr. Rhetorical, I'm not gonna tell you that. And we just get to the game and maybe I say, hey, why don't you go find us a seat? Or why don't you go to our seat? I'm just gonna grab us some popcorn and I kind of just let you fend for yourself in the saddle dome. That would be cruel. Much like a God who is all grace and no truth would be if he didn't tell you the ramifications of the decisions that you're making and the places that you're going. See, this is God, full of grace and full of truth. In other words, he loves you fully and completely and totally, exactly how you are right now. There's nothing that you could ever do that would make him love you more. There's nothing that you have ever done that has made him love you less. He loves you completely. But he loves you so much that he's also full of truth. And he wants to grow you, to rebuild you, to bring you to a place of blessing, to become the person that you were created to be, full of grace and full of truth. So the one thing that you see when you study God's word is you see this is God. The second thing you realize is this is me. That just like the world is tenuous, I'm tenuous too. I think over these last five months, we kind of figured it out, right? There's a feeling of being fragile, of being frail, of, faltering. There's a feeling of being sad and overwhelmed and exhausted. I love the way that David says it in Psalm chapter 8. He said, "Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth." I look up at your macro skies, dark and enormous, your handmade sky jewelry. This is God. Moon and stars, mountain in their set, mounted in their settings. Then I look at my micro self and I wonder, why take a second to look our way? You put us in charge of your handcrafted world. Repeated to us your Genesis charge. Made us lords of sheep and cattle, even animals out in the wild. Birds flying and fish swimming, whales singing in the ocean deeps. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. This is God full of grace and truth. And this is me, frail, fragile, and faltering. And so that's why the people in Nehemiah's day, they were all together for a celebration, but they just started crying because they realized that this is God and this is what he created us to be. And this is where we've fallen short. And and there was this sense of mourning. And what does Nehemiah say? Today is not a day for mourning. The joy of the Lord is your strength. So this brings me to the third thing that we see when we study God's word. This is God, this is me, and this is us. In other words, this is me with God. See, everything changes. Psalm 23 says it this way, the Lord is my shepherd. Have you ever thought about that? The Lord is my shepherd. You notice how David doesn't write the Lord is a shepherd. The Lord is the shepherd. Doesn't even say the Lord is a good shepherd. He says the Lord is my shepherd. It's personal. The same God who spoke the entire universe into existence knows your name and he loves you fully and completely. And so that when we say that God is full of grace and full of truth, that's not just um that's not just theoretical. It's really personal. He's full of grace for you. He's full of truth for you. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That's an interesting concept, isn't it? That I shall not want for anything. That I look and I think things are impossible, but God says they're possible. That I might feel frail, but God says that when I'm weak, that I am strong through him. That I might feel fragile, but God reminds me that I'm actually eternal. And that I might feel faltering, but actually I'm absolutely, completely certain. Full of faith. Faith is the things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen, that my God is great and that my God is good and he's full of grace and he's full of truth. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside still waters, he restores my soul. And you know what, even if I walk through the dark valley, I will fear no evil, because he's with me every step of the way and surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of my Lord forever." That's the promise, this is God, full of grace and full of truth. And this is me, overwhelmed, exhausted, and sad sometimes, frail, fragile, and faltering. But he reminds me that this is us, that I'm not frail, in him I'm strong. I'm not fragile, in him I'm eternal and I'm not faltering. I'm absolutely certain. I'm full of faith. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says it this way. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Have you ever thought about that? Because I look back over these last five months, and I think to myself, wow, like, God, you've really gone before me. And there's so much of this last five months that have revealed to me like brokenness inside of me. And I I feel like God told me something that I need to pass on to you this week that I think the brokenness inside of me just reminds me again that I'm being rebuilt. That the brokenness inside of you should just remind you you're being rebuilt step by step, step by step, moment by moment. I love you guys. Let's pray. So dear God, thank you. Thank you that you are full of grace and full of truth, that you love us completely the way that we are and that you're leading us and guiding us to be everything that you created us to be. And God, we acknowledge before you that we feel real tense sometimes. And on our own, we're frail, fragile, and faltering. But thank you that together with you, we're eternal, we're strong, and we're certain. I just wanna take a second right now Maybe you're here and these last five months have taken their toll on you and you've never really invited God into your life. You've never really accepted his grace. I know it's an uncomfortable notion, isn't it? But, But you've come to a point now in this moment where you're ready to say, God, I could use a little bit of help. And that's why God sent Jesus. He died on a cross to give you the greatest help of all, to give you forgiveness of sins and a clean slate and eternal life. And the only thing that you need to do is just accept it. Just take hold of it. Just say, yes, I want to accept your amazing grace. So if that's you right now, I just want to continue praying. I want to pray uh, wherever you are, just pray along with me. So Jesus, today, I accept your amazing grace. I invite you into my life. I pray that you would forgive my sins. Give me a clean slate. And just like you rose again from the dead, Jesus, I pray that you would give me the strength to step into the plan that you have for my life today, tomorrow, and forever. I pray this in your name, amen, amen. So if that's you, if, if you just invited Jesus, if you just accepted Jesus' amazing grace for the first time, and I would love it if you could just text the keyword LIFE, L-I-F-E to 604-670-3040. We don't wanna stalk you, but we really, really wanna support you. Hey, can I end with one last thought? I really do love you. And we really have chosen that we're gonna engage and we're not gonna retreat we're going to advance and we're not going to withdraw. And so part of that for me is that each one of us, we got to be looking after ourselves. So if you're going through something right now and you need support, if you've been a Christian your whole life, but you just need some support, could you reach out? We'd love to pray for you. We'd love to support you. We'd love to just come alongside you in any way. And secondly, can you do me one last favor? Can you extend some invitations for people who you think in your life need to hear this? need to understand that, that it, it, it's true that God is great. And sometimes I am not, but with him, I am. And so I just want to give you that, give you that, I guess, encouragement to send this out and get the news out to as many people as you can, that this is God, this is me, but this is us. See you next week. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.